Drive into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Gone! Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Paul Goldschmidt episode of Breaking Bats presented to you by Not For Long Media. This is episode number 46. For those of you who don't know, I'm Brian O'Grady, and with me is always my co-host, Justin Ayers, J.A., whose birthday is tomorrow, so we have to give him a nice happy birthday. We're recording this on the 5th, so his birthday is Tuesday the 6th, so everybody wish J.A. a happy birthday. Turn the big two six. What what? Life's getting real good for him. And Jay, how you doing, dude? How you feeling to be 26? I mean, it's not getting like great because like I have I'm getting kicked off my parents' health insurance. So um other than that, like I, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. Um, but it's not it's I would prefer to be 25 for a while, to be honest. But I appreciate it. Uh the big two six. We'll, you know, we'll just have to take it one day at a time. But the this is this is the Paul Goldschmidt episode of the Breaking Bats podcast, but it's also the Patrick Corbin edition of the Breaking Bats podcast, who's my number 46. Patrick Corbin, um, if if you're a Nationals fan like me, his 2019 season, 14 and 7 with a 325 ERA, that's the only year that really counts in that contract that he signed. It, we, you don't really have to look at the last 2020, 2021, or even last 2022. Don't don't look at those numbers it's on this baseball reference. Just like redact those. Don't look at those. Um, don't look at the fact he's also making 24 and a half mil next year and 35 the next year after. So um, world's worst pitcher. Uh, but number one in my heart, Patrick Corbin. There was a lot of options on baseball reference when I looked at the number 46 that I was not aware of. Um, he's probably not listening. Maybe some guys know it. Tim Adelman wore 46. So shout out to, to Timmy Adelman, funny guy. And uh, Tony Fossis for my – my red buddies listening to this also wore 46 were two very tough options to turn down for me. I know, you know, I know you don't know who either of those guys are, but they made me laugh when I saw them. Um, but today, well, the winter meetings have started, so we're going to focus a whole lot on that. And our guest for this week is going to be Will Salmon, who is the Mets writer for the athletic. Um, we were going to, record that tonight until the Mets made a big splash this morning inside a guy named Justin Verlander to a, a cool $86 million deal for two years, which is nice annual value right there. Um, so things got a little crazy. So we're going to talk to him tomorrow night. Hopefully more things happen. Um, so we're going to talk about the winter meetings and some of the free agency stuff going on. But before we get to it, Justin's got something to say. Quick ad. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Psalm Sleep. Are you having giving, are you having trouble getting enough sleep at night because Psalm Sleep has you covered? They have the scientifically advanced Psalm Snack Drink, which includes ingredients that are naturally found in your body like GABA, magnesium, and melatonin. Sleep is the best form of recovery, and it has helped people everywhere take their game to the next level. All you have to do is drink one serving just 30 minutes before you go to bed. Your body will naturally calm itself down. Other sleep supplements will leave you feeling groggy in the morning, not Psalm Sleep. 
Wake up feeling refreshed and ready to conquer the day. Go to GetSom.com. Click shop and enter the code BATS, B-A-T-S, for 10% off of your entire order of Psalm Sleep. Speaking of sleep really quick, I looked in the mirror the other day and I realized I have the world's biggest bags under my eyes, just dark, heavy bags. So uh, I ordered some stuff and we're going to try to, we're going to try to, you know, tidy it up, clean it up a little bit and make it look like I've actually slept in my life. So um, that's just an aside. It's tough. You went from being a, you know, you're a, you're a late night guy. And now you got to be up nice and early to yeah. get in the DC. So it's a, it's a tough, tough adjustment for you over there. Just, I looked in the mirror. I got, I got my professional headshots done. Looked like I was coming off like a three day bender where I didn't sleep a minute. <laughs> so we, we got to clean that up. We can't, we can't have fluorescent purple bags under your eyes anymore. So um, if you're watching on a video, maybe take this journey with me every week and try to see if I can get these things down to normal levels. Um, that's just, I want to throw that in there as a quick aside. Uh, we have so much news to talk about in the baseball world. It is insane. Uh, we'll start though with your hometown Philadelphia Phillies breaking the bank. They went and signed Trey Turner. He came back to the NL East. He signed with the Phillies for 11 years, 300 million, full no trade, no deferrals, 27.27 mil per year. Uh, Turner led the majors and hits in 20 and 21. And he made the all-star team each of the past two seasons. One of the best all-around players in the game. It's clear, though, if you're paying attention to some of these Trey Turner rumors, that he's an East Coast guy, NC State. Him and his wife are from Florida. They wanted to come back to the East Coast. So Philadelphia obviously became a, you know, a big player in there as of late. He gets reunited, unfortunately, if you're a Nationals fan, plug your ears with, uh, Kyle, with Bryce Harper. The 2018 Nationals are coming back to bite me in the ass once again. The Kyle Schwarber, he's getting reunited. And Kevin Long who, if you remember, was the Nats hitting coach from 18 to 21. And Trey Turner has said that Kevin Long was a big reason why he had this offensive kind of like, you know, he came on with more power. He just, you know, was hitting for a higher average. So Kevin Long is the guy he credits with all that. Uh, the big thing, though, we have to talk about is it's 11 years for a guy that's 29 right now. He's going to be 30 next summer. This contract is going so long. Like, we I, we touched on this with Jared Carabas when it comes to, like, speed and how it kind of ages. But, like, when you heard Trey Turner 11 years, what, what did you think? 11 years is definitely a long time. That's going up until he's 40 or right before it. It's a huge commitment, but it just goes to show how much they wanted him and how much they think he can help that team. Obviously, his one before, he's been on good teams, um, you know, Dodgers recently. And they needed a shortstop. Bryson stopped did some nice things. Uh, and he's a young guy. And he, he'll, he'll get better. But you stick Turner over there. And, man, that lineup is scary good. Scary, scary good. I think they see what the Braves have. And, they, you know, they think they got to put up some money to beat them. And then you saw just how much Philly supported them during that postseason run until the end of the year. Uh, they know they're going to get the fan support and that they're going to make that money back uh, from as like the ownership perspective. So uh, even though it's a big commitment, I think it's, it, it just cements them as a scary team for, for a while. Um, the other part that I thought of when I saw this was if he's getting 11 and judge, well, I know we don't, I don't want to get too into judge, but and judge wants nine, probably going to stick to his guns there. Right. Because Judge will probably say, you know, I can DH. I don't need to – once I get older, I don't need to play the field or whatever it is. I'll still be able to hit for power. And also, Cruz has been doing it for 64 years at this point. So, uh, I do just think that's interesting how it turns out. But, I mean, I love the move. 
love it for the Phillies. Uh, I, I, I don't, I can't think of a better fit right now. I think, I think this has been the best move thus far of the offseason and probably will be, in my opinion, of this offseason, unless Aaron Judge goes back to New York. Then that'll be the best move because the Yankees are going to crumble if they don't have him. What do you think? I want to preface this by saying, yes, uh, I might come at this from a little bit of a different perspective as a Washington Nationals fan, but I promise what I'm about to say has nothing to do with that. I think the, if you look at the the dollar amount per year, 27.27, that's not that bad. If you're if this was a vacuum and you're just looking at like his average annual value, you're looking at, oh yeah, he's worth, like if he was to do a one-year contract, he would be 35, 40. Like the value he brings to a team is is way more than 27.27 million per year. So that part's I don't have really big, I don't have a you know big gripe with. 11 years for a guy that is guaranteed to be turning 30. And we've all heard in baseball, like 30 is kind of like the kiss of death. Not in your case, though. Um, it's it's just interesting that they would go 11 years. Like it's obvious that Trey wanted like he wanted to be in one spot forever. He didn't want to have to worry about free agency ever again. So that part I get, but I would have, I would have done a different kind of contract. If I was a GM, I would have done maybe like what Rendon got seven for two forty-five, but defer it. I love deferral contracts. And maybe this is just because Max Scherzer is looking pretty good. Like it gives the team payroll flexibility. It gives the guys the ability to get paid until they're like 60 years old to sit on their couch. Like it's a win-win. So I don't know. I just think 11 is way too many years for a guy that like his defense is like good, but it's not great. So it's like, I don't know. It, it's, I just think 11 is too many years. 11 definitely jumps out. I, I mean, how many contracts are out there more than 10 years? I, there's not very many. So it, it definitely <clears throat> grabs your attention, attention when you look at it, but I'm sure there was, other competition trying to sign him. So the Phillies wanted it. Phillies got it done. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they must, with that, that little bit lower annual value, maybe they're thinking, you know, we'll suck it up at the end or we'll get rid of him at the end, very end or <laughs> something. But you know what I, I think is interesting is like, not from the, the team's perspective, but from Trey Turner's perspective is like, did he sit down and was like, okay, I'm 29 right now, about to be 30, whatever it is. Like, I want to play 11 more years. Because, like, in my brain, that's crazy to be like, you know what, I'm like, to be that specific, I want to play 11 more years. I want an 11-year contract so I can do it. You know, I guess you, you do that, and then if you're 38 and you're like, eh, I'm good, you just hang it up and walk away from the rest of that money. But, it's it, like, in my mind, it's just funny to be like, you know, how long, how many years you want? I think I want 11. All right, we'll do that. Like, it just sounds so funny to me when I think about it. It's a, it's a, it's a weirdly specific number. And then you're going to be paying him until he's 41 years old. Like, I don't, I don't even want to know. Like, I can't imagine like what 41 year old Trey Turner is, is, uh, is, is going to be like, and just get, making the same amount of money he's going to be making when he's 30. I mean, you're obviously like the reason why you, you did this deal is to get his prime. There's like, you know, 30 to 35. There's gonna be some great years in there, no doubt. But 35 to 41, it's it's gonna be tough. Um, and who knows if the Phillies are even gonna be in contention by then because like their window could be in a, in a way different spot it, than it is right now. Like they're in win now, balls to the wall, gotta go out and win it in 2023. But in 2034, like what what what's the what are the Phillies gonna look like? It's 
It's going to be old man, Trey Turner and his Walker. Uh, and then who knows? So it's, it's interesting. Um, the other thing is that Bryce Harper is coming back at like the all-star break. But uh, if you look at the 2023 lineup with Harper, it's three former Nats at the top. It's Schwarber, Turner, Harper, uh, JT batting cleanup, Reese Hoskins, Nick Castellanos, Alec Bohm, Stott at second and Brandon Marsh. It's going to be interesting. What do you think they'll do with Harper out? Do you, like, you know, I, I heard a rumor that they can maybe put Edmundo Sosa at third, put uh Bohm at first Hoskins DH. Like could they just get creative and figure it out until Bryce comes back? Yeah, I'm sure they could, or try to sign somebody for a little bit cheaper to, to take that spot for a little while. I mean, you know, Bob had a <clears throat> Bob had a pretty good year last year, and you think Marsh will continue to get better, and the same with Stott. So, but I, there's no replacing Bryce Harper. That's <laughs> that ain't happening, um, and that's tough. It, it, they're gonna miss him, but hopefully, the other guys can can pick it up. And um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them go after like a God. I don't know. Top top of my head, like a Cole Calhoun. Like somebody who's been around a little bit that they can get there maybe a little bit cheaper, um, who they know, who's just been around and, and they know they can get some decent play from them or maybe, maybe get them with Kevin Long and get them back to hitting uh, a little more like they used to. So I have Monday Night Football on in the background, and they just showed Aaron Judge in Tampa Bay wearing a Bucks jersey. Um, he's wearing a Mike Evans. I don't know what this means for his free agency, but we need you- we need to read into this. He lives in Tampa in the offseason. I wouldn't read too much. Of Judge it. lives in Tampa Yan- in the offseason? For the most part. That's where the Yankees spring training is. So he's probably, he's got a, I'm sure he's got a okay. nice little house there to, to go with his other ones. I don't know. Somebody tweeted Aaron Judge to the Rays question mark. That would be quite, quite the big deal. I don't see that happen. Um, but before, let's talk, let's talk about Verlander real quick before we move on because <clears throat> I know we'll, we'll talk to Will about it because obviously that is the, another huge signing and, and he's the Mets guy with the athletic, but what do you think about that deal? Two years, $46 million, just on their Scherzer's 43.3 or whatever it is. Yeah. It's look, if you're a, like a Tigers fan from like the years 2010 to 2014, you love it. The boys are back in town. The, the band is back together. I I'm worried. Like I, I'm worried. And this isn't just because I'm a nationals fan. He's playing for the Mets. Now he's 40 years old. And I know he's just came off a Cy Young season, but I, I don't know, man. I feel like the human body, they're just, he's going to wake up one day and it's not going to be the same JV. It's for, you know, a guy like him that, you know, he's still got his fastball. He's, he's still touching mid nineties. He's, he's still got all the, the right moves, but I, I don't know. It's a lot of money for uh, a top of the rotation that, you know, they have a combined age of like a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I definitely get what you're saying. They definitely scrambled after DeGrom left, but Verlander, it was healthy. And you get that same Verlander for two years to go with Scherzer. I mean, that's pretty good one, two right there. I know they still have some other holes to fill in that rotation, but, or, you know, Bassett left and, and Walker's free agent as well. <clears throat> but I think they must have wanted to do a short deal like that because otherwise why wouldn't they have gone after like a Rodon or somebody like that? But he brings experience. He brings the winning. Uh, you put him and Max together. I I feel like it'll be two good years for, for Verlander and he'll do Verlander things. And then I think that 
that might be it. You know, I think you might hang it up after that, but try to go out with another World Series. They're they're close. The Phillies are obviously scary, and the, and the Braves are scary too. But it seems like uh, Steve Cohen's going to keep opening that checkbook and try to bring some more good players there. And, and uh, <laughs> they, you got to respect it. They're going to be in the mix. They're going to be in the mix. Yeah. And like, I get it from like, if you look at the window perspective, which, you know, can be, you know, tricky sometimes for fans because you think they're in it every single year, but realistically teams like some years they're trying, some years they're not. So the the Mets are definitely trying for this year and they, they obviously are hopefully trying for the year after. So it makes sense from that perspective. I like Jacob deGrom's deal with the Rangers a whole hell of a lot more. First of all, he's five years younger. So, you know, I don't care about his health yet. You know, he's. He's proven like he's if he's fully healthy, he's the best pitcher in baseball. And if you're not, you know, if you're if you're not remembering what the deal was, it was DeGrom signed with the Texas Rangers for five years, 185 mil, full no trade, conditional option for 2028. They could take the total value to $222 million. I love that deal. That's my sign me up for that. Give me five years of Jacob DeGrom versus two years of Justin Verlander. I don't care that DeGrom's been hurt all the time. Yeah, that's the only knock is the health. If he's if he's healthy and on the mound, you know what you're getting. You're getting an absolutely electric picture pitcher who's arguably the best in the game. Um, the Rangers are they. Bruce Bochy came out of retirement to manage the, the Rangers, who already spent money last offseason on uh, Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. Uh, our boy Nate Lowe won a silver slugger this, this year, had a phenomenal year, and they got Josh Young at uh, third right. base now coming up, top prospect who they expect a lot out of. So but they're going for it. I respect it. I think the ground fits great there, but I do think it is a little bit more of a gamble than you do just because of the health factor and that type of contract with not a lot of health doesn't go together well. But he stays healthy. We all know how dominant he is. I mean, I, I, you know, witnessed it and experienced it firsthand. Although I almost did get him, but <laughs> he got me out, got to the warning track. Anyway, it's. I feel like that once he left, the Mets had to do it. It's such a it's such a big loss losing the ground, but you get Verlander, so you're you're taking the you're taking the, the ground contract. I'd probably lean that way too. I'd probably take the, the ground contract over the Verlander contract. In terms of what yeah. I like the for the Rangers better than I like. The, yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. And and you every everything you just said makes perfect sense. The Rangers are going for it. I don't care that they're playing in the same division with, you know, the bad boy Astros and the Mariners are always good. Like the, the Rangers are gonna try for a wild card spot. And to do that, you're gonna have DeGrom, Martin Perez, some really good young starting pitchers too that they have coming up too. So it's like, yeah, why not? Why not the Rangers? It's a fun market. So uh, yeah, give give me five years of Jacob DeGrom. And I, I'll take my chances with that as opposed to Justin Verlander, who's, you know, geriatric at this point. Um, there is one other story, or actually a couple more stories we want to talk about today. Um, we're going to talk about the Pirates. And look, it, if you may not think this is big news for a national baseball perspective, but Brian Reynolds, their all-star center fielder, cornerstone of the franchise, uh, he requested a trade out of Pittsburgh. It, it was very interesting, the statement the Pirates put out. They said, quote, it's disappointing. This will have zero impact on our decision-making going forward. Our goal is to improve the Pirates for 2023 and beyond. We have three years of, until he hits free agency. Brian remains a key member of our team. We look forward to having him for a great season for the Pirates. So that doesn't sound like they're going to oblige his his trade request. 
Uh, he's 27. Reynolds is he's in the second year of a two year, 13 and a half million dollar contract. Uh, he has two more years of ARB. Uh, he's, he can't be a free agent until 2026. So unfortunately, if they don't trade him, he's just going to be there for a while. Unfortunately for Brian, fortunately for pirates fans. Uh, great. He, you know, if you look at NL center center fielders, Reynolds leads in like all these major statistical categories, but this is interesting. What, what, what do you think happened? Obviously, you know, we, we don't know a ton of like the behind the scenes stuff. Reynolds has said in the past, he likes being a Pittsburgh pirate, but to do it 180 after, after all of that, like what, what do you make of that? You know, I think there's a few options. I think one, something happened, obviously something would happen behind the scenes between him and the you know GM, whatever ownership, whatever <clears throat> that he didn't like. And he's trying to get out of there. That would be option one. Option two is he's just sick of losing and kind of being a part of that team, even though he's like the guy and uh, can make can make some good money doing it. He doesn't doesn't want to do it. That would be option two. Option three, whatever. Uh, and this goes back to option one a little bit is whatever contract they offered him, you know, I saw they offered uh, to make him the highest paid pirate ever, you know, whatever, more than Cabrian Hayes' contract, which he should have been around longer and has been more productive. But uh, he didn't like it, felt insulted by it or whatever, or just saw that, you know, there's really no shot that we're going to be able to work out the type of deal that I would want. And he wants out of there. But the Pirates had to come out with a statement like that. So, oh, it's not going to affect what what whatever we're doing because Reynolds put it out there and they lost the pirates lost all their leverage. Basically, you know, teams want know that he wants out and are going to be like, well, he wants to leave. I'm not going to give you everything, but I know the guy's not happy there and you're going to move him at some point. So it's just a little back and forth, but I like this because as from a, the perspective of a fan, because maybe it'll force teams to compete a little bit more, right? They're not these guys, even though you could be making great money and, and be a guy or the guy and stuff going out there every night and losing sucks. Like it sucks. So I'm not saying guys on other teams put up with it too, or, or enjoy it, but hopefully it'll help teams realize like, Hey, maybe this isn't, maybe this isn't the answer. And I know there's other things the league's doing to combat that, but it's a crazy story, man. Whoever gets him is going to be getting a, just a solid player who will probably be even better once he's on a winning team. And I know this hits you close to home because you, you are also a Pirates fan. And he's from, he's a Maryland guy Reynolds is. So I, I love him even more. It's tough because it's, it puts everybody like nobody can win in this situation. The pirates can't win because they're, they're going to lose the, the, the key piece of the McCutcheon trade where like, that's the thing you can look back and say, like we had to trade Andrew McCutcheon, but we got back an equally as good, if not better center fielder for him. So the team is like, damn it, really? We 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 get one guy out of all these trades. You look at some of these deals, like the Garrett Cole trade, and they, they just come out like they don't come out on top of all these trades. You look back from like Jamison Tyon and, and and Joe Musgrove and all this stuff where it's like, damn, yeah, we should have gotten more for these guys. But if you're like, you know, we got Brian freaking Reynolds out of all these like franchise teardown trades, it's like, yeah, we got we got a guy. And to have the guy 
be offered to be the highest paid player in franchise history and have him say thanks, but no thanks. I would like to leave, please. It sucks. And I hope that they stick to their guns, the Pirates do, and I hope they kick them, they keep them around. I hope they maybe they can work this out. I'm always naive. You know, we, there's always time. We can always work things out. Um, it, it's, it's not the end. Maybe that's, that's what I'm going to keep telling myself. I'm sure there's a certain amount of money that, that would make that happen, but maybe the pirates aren't willing to do that. I don't know. It seems, uh, it seems like he, he wants to win some more games in my opinion. It's coming. That's coming. You just got to stick to trust the process, man. Ben Charrington. He's a, that guy's a winner. And I know the pirates owner is not, he doesn't have a great reputation for opening the checkbook. Um, I also saw that the arbitration battle that the two sides, Reynolds and the Pirates, they had a pretty contentious arbitration, apparently, where Reynolds wanted 4.9. The Pirates were like, how about 4.25? And then they they uh, they didn't split the difference. Um, so it's it's weird. I don't love this. I don't I approach it from the fan perspective. I just want to keep them on the team because I like watching the Pirates. So from a player's perspective, I, I totally get it. It's, it's probably a whole different set of circumstances there. But yeah, it, it doesn't make me feel great. I hope they hope they figure it out. They're gonna figure it out. Have faith. Um, I got all the faith for you. We'll see. Yeah, exactly. Raise the. They're gonna keep raising the, the Jolly Roger will be raised a whole hell of a lot more if you just be patient. Um, it, a true blue Pirates fan is like punching his car radio right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it's tough. So we'll uh, we'll move on. There's one other thing that we want to talk about with Xander Bogarts. Uh, he's, it's interesting. There's a lot of like news and rumors swirling around Xander Bogarts. Peter Gammons, who I, I didn't realize was writing for the athletics said, quote, in the past three days, front office folks from three teams claim that they've been told that he has severed ties from Boston and will not be going back. So it's not great. If you're Jared Carabas right now, you're also probably punching your car radio. Like, no, can't happen. Um, Arizona diamondbacks. I'm a big proponent of the Arizona Diamondbacks being good. One of the best underrated stories of baseball, having like a 20 game win increase from the year prior. John Morosi says that the Diamondbacks could be a big, a big player. What, how does that make you feel? First of all, I saw some, I saw somebody tweeted like about the Gambits thing. It was like, yeah, this is, this is just not true, but no, Peter, I don't, <laughs> I don't think he's severed ties with Boston. But I don't think it's in a great place either. I mean, I think that's pretty clear, right? So I feel like that there's a better chance he's leaving Boston than there is that he's going back. <clears throat> Although the Phillies are out of the Bogart sweepstakes now, at least you would assume so. Um, Morosi, the D-backs, maybe I, I they could be making a big push for him, giving him you know nice offers. I can't imagine. Xander Bogarts wants to leave Boston for Arizona. I just I can't imagine that's in his cards. He's made some money already. He's going to get a nice contract somewhere. I can't imagine he's like, "Yep, D-backs look like they're going to be on a run here. Let's let's go to the desert." Um, I don't. I don't. I another thing that has been tossed around is the Padres are are have been in there with Bogarts and Turner, but obviously Turner is now with the Phillies. Put Bogarts in there with uh, that team in San Diego, man. First of all, I think San Diego burned to the ground. The fans would be so excited to, to get another guy like that. But I just think Bogarts is going to have much better options than 
Arizona. What do you think? I I don't know. I I look and I, I was reading about the Arizona connection. So the the Diamondbacks executive VP and general manager Mike Hazen. He was on the Red Sox when they they signed him and when he made his debut. So there's obviously a little history. Maybe those guys are BFFs in the off season. But dude, I'm telling you, like if we need to give the Diamondbacks their flowers more often because in 2021 they had 52 wins. Last year they had 74. So that's a 22 game increase for a team that people probably forget exists half the time. Like, I feel like we just, Corbin Carroll, shout out, one of the best young players in baseball. But yeah, give me, give me Bogarts. To, the Diamondbacks have proven in the past, they'll, they'll, they'll just randomly sign a big free agent. Remember when they gave Zach Grinke like a shit ton of money out of nowhere? Bumgarner. Yeah, Bumgarner. They're just like, yeah, right. every, every couple years or so, it's like a comet. They're like, oh, fuck, the, the Diamondbacks? Where did they, I don't know. Maybe Arizona's good on taxes. Maybe people just want to go there. I don't know. You're right. I didn't, I didn't think about that, but. Another, you go to Arizona and you part of that like first wave. They're in a they're in a division with the the Dodgers and the Padres right now, like and the Giants who are trying to you know bring Aaron Judge and Carlos Correa over there. I mean, just been in the AL like East. <laughs> yes, this is very true. But it's the Red Sox. I mean, I don't know if I will. I will take everything back and say very nice things if he ends up in the desert with the Diamondbacks, but I just think he's uh, he's going somewhere else. I don't, I don't think he's going to the Padres. You can't you can't have Tatis for all that money. You can't have Machado for all that money, Musgrove for all that money, and, like, you can't just have all these guys making, like, 25 mil plus and then all of a sudden be like, Bogarts for another 25. Like, I know that the Padres owner is a, a big spender, and I love that, but, like, that just feels a little, like, that feels a little much. I don't disagree, but... It seems like they're trying to make it work somehow. I, <laughs> it's listen. I'm all for it. I love it. It's uh, maybe they're just trying to make the Dodgers spend more money. They 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 think he's going to end up as a Dodger. I don't know, but that has definitely been in the uh, the Twitter space. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm tuned in with the, the San Diego people, so I've been seeing it. That's all I'm saying. I, I saw a great tweet today that. Um... The, yeah, Kevin AC from the Padres writer. Padres were in it to win it with Trey Turner. His signing with the Phillies was a major letdown internally. They thought their offer could have gotten it done. So they're just apparently in on Trey Turner too. I don't know how much they were willing I, to spend. I saw, I forget where it was. It might have been an MLB.com thing, but that somebody, they um, surveyed like 10 executives or 12 executives or something. And one of them, it was like, who's most likely to be traded, like big name to be traded. One of them said Tatis. And everyone was like, whoa, what? Whoa, what the? What? <laughs> what? After all Where that, that you're <laughs> Yeah. So I, you know, I would be shocked. But, man, you talk about that. If uh, Bogarts, Manny, uh, Tati, and I guess Cronin goes to first base, uh, that's. I can't. No, you would put Tati in the outfield for that. You wouldn't have him. You wouldn't yeah, have you're right. Some... You did, yeah, you're right. Tati in center. That lineup would be amazing, though. Like that Tati and then Soto. Yeah. Like Soto. corner, your corner outfielders are Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis Jr. Sign me up. Hey, I I said this earlier. Bogarts has made some money already. Maybe he'll take a little bit less and go to San Diego. I don't know. Maybe same with Turner. Uh, you know, three hundred million dollars is a lot of money, but you're talking, you know, the big free agents, three hundred million dollars and two hundred plus million dollars. Like that's astronomical amounts of money, right? These are guys who 
are already set if they if they didn't make anything ever again. Like they've already made enough money. Plenty of money. <laughs> they've already made plenty of money. So you know, it, it comes down to obviously you want to get what you're worth, but are you willing to take some sort of, of cut to go to San Diego or to one of these big teams and, and be a part of a really good team? Or do you want to, you know, take $400 million from the Diamondbacks and go play there? I don't know. That's up to each, each guy. That, ra- that line of thinking and that rationale is the exact same. It's funny that you've said that. Cause I've said that internally for like my entire life where it's like trying to convince myself that the Orioles and the nationals will be players. Well, the nationals have been players more so in free agency, but like the Orioles, especially it's like, these guys have made so much money that like, yeah, why not take a 50% pay cut and come play in Baltimore? Like crab cakes are good. Like I do this every year. So it's just funny to hear somebody else say that and not have it just be like my dumb brain. Well, it needs to be attractive though, too. And that's part of the appeal. Like it takes somebody to do it. Right. So like the Padres paid Manny originally. Right. And then they paid Hosmer and then, and then they paid him. So it's like, now Joe Musgrove's there, like in a trade, like they're just doing things and it's building. And now these free agents, I'm sure like shit, San Diego would be a pretty cool place to go play, you know, or the same with like the Dodgers. Some of those guys are like, yeah, but, you know, LA would be a pretty cool place to go play. Phillies now, Trey Turner's like, I want to be back on the East coast. Look at that team. Oh, they're going to give me $300 million too. Yep. That works. Let's do that. The, the Orioles can do that. They can build to that. And they get, <clears throat> and they have, we talked about this with uh, RDT. It's like, Adley's there now. They can start to build all those things, but you have to have some other attraction, which is usually winning and being good, than just the money. You know, Carlos Correa goes to Minnesota last year with all those opt-outs like we talked about. Why was he going there to make that money? Like, it's not that hard to figure out. Houston, you know, some guys are probably – Jose Abreu, even though they gave him a nice contract – he was probably attracted to Houston for other reasons than just the money. So if you can build that kind of culture and that kind of team, you see the support San Diego's getting, you know, it wouldn't shock me if, if Bogarts was like, all right, I'll take, I don't know the numbers, 18 million, which would probably be a pay cut for him. I'm sure it would be a pay, it is that's a, a pay yeah, cut. That's a big him. drop. But, <laughs> but just, just throwing it out there, like, all right, I'll go – I'll take that money because I want to play there. I want to try to win. I want to be a part of that. Whatever. So, but that, like I said, that's up to each guy. Some, some guys, all they want is their, you know, tons of money. And I'm definitely a proponent for making as much money as you possibly can while playing the game. But, you know, if you already made $60 million, is there that big of a difference between 250 and $300 million? $50 million is what the difference is. But, you know, at that point, does it really matter? If some guys, it does something. Some guys, other things are more important. It's a good point. Yeah, everybody's priorities are different. You know, it's a big thing where it's like you're trying to connect the dots for free agents. Like, where are they from? Like, is there a hometown team that could possibly be of interest in signing there? Like, these are all things that you have to consider when looking at free agency. And that's what we're doing right now with Judge. It's like, does he want to be back in the Bay Area? Maybe. Does he want to go back to New York and make probably make a little more money? I don't know. So it's like, it's interesting. And it's just fascinating to hear your perspective on that, because I think a lot of fans probably fall in my category where they're like, well, yeah, why can't you just take less money and go sign with my team? Like, yeah, why that like, 
you know, if you look at the perspective, like, oh, you're, you're never gonna be able to spend all that money. Like you're, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just cool to hear somebody else say that for every once in a while. Yeah. I mean, I, at, at that point, it's like, it, it's, you're just doing it for like your family and for future generations, right? Unless you're a big spender. Yeah. Figure out how to spend <laughs> all that money, but that's really what you're doing. Like you're just taking care of your generations of five more generations. You yeah. have coming. Yeah. Cause you know, if it, if for me personally, if I was in that situation at that, at that point and already made that type of money, it would be like, yeah, let's go somewhere where, you know, I want to be close to home or whatever it is. Like there would definitely be other factors that would be as important, if not more important than making all that more money. And I'm sure I would think a lot of guys are the same way. I want to go to a state where I, uh, like Florida or Texas, where if you look at the state income tax, you're like, oh, I could just keep all of it or most of it. Yeah, I'll do that. Yep. That's that's yeah. also very that's a very valid reason for for people to want to sign there. Hey, Jacob DeGrom, shout out Texas. Shout no out state there. income tax. Um, all right. We have a couple more things before we get to our interview for this week. We have our fudging awesome moment of the week, and it's a fun one. Our fudging awesome moment of the week is brought to you by our sponsor, the original Fudge Kitchen. You can find them online at fudgekitchenswithans.com to ship fudge and sweet treats all over the country. Stuff is amazing and it'll last you a while and it is priced <clears throat> very nice. Holiday is a great Christmas gift to get on there and send some fudge to the people you love. If anybody is still down the shore, they have locations in Stone Harbor, Wildwood, North Wildwood, Ocean City, and Cape May. Go and check them out. There's the original Fudge Kitchen and you can find them online at fudgekitchenswithans.com. So our fudge and awesome moment of the week this week. Uh, this is a this is a good one for baseball fans in the 90s, like the late 80s, like the whole 90s. Fred McGriff, the crime dog, has finally made the Hall of Fame. He was a unanimous choice among the 16 members of the inaugural Contemporary Baseball Era Committee, which is a ballot with eight candidates whose primary contributions to the game took place after the year 1980. So McGriff was on the, the regular, like traditional Hall of Fame ballot for the maximum 10 seasons, and he could only get 39.8. That was the highest percentage. He needs 75 from the writers. Uh, his final year is in 2019. But if you look at this guy's stats, it's a shame. It's a it's a crime, no, no pun intended, that he has not made the Hall of Fame before this because he has 493 career home runs, 2,493 career hits, top 10 in MVP voting, six different seasons. Like this guy was legit. And it's just, it sucks that like he had to wait until 2022 on a committee that most people didn't even know existed to get into the hall of fame. Uh, do you remember the crime dog? Do you, that's, I don't know. That might be, that might be a little, maybe before your time, but I mean, that guy was the best. Yeah. I was a little too young to, you know, vividly remember him. Obviously, I know the name, the crime dog is a little unique batting stance. He's a great player. The biggest thing for me, I mean, he couldn't get more than 40% of the vote. Uh, obviously that, that could be <clears throat> because of some of the guys he was on there with, but to me, it just, it shows that these former players thought more of him or respected him as a player more than, you know, writers thought from watching him. But obviously the guys on the field were like, damn, this, this dude can play. So good for him to, uh, to get in there. That's obviously an amazing, amazing accomplishment to be in the hall of fame. I can't even imagine what that, must be like for those guys uh and to go to for 10 years to to be told that you didn't get it and then finally now you make it uh has to be a great feeling so congratulations to Fred McGriff that is that's amazing 
I think a lot of this too was like, you're right. His ballot, like the people he was on the hall of fame ballot with every year were like just the, the heaviest hitters of, of hall of fame people. And then it, I think people kind of forgot that he was there. And also like, if he didn't, he had 493 career home runs, which is dumb as it sounds. I think a lot probably helped or didn't help his case where people really wanted that round 500. So he had a couple things working against him, but yeah, I'm glad that the Hall of Fame has this. I think the next time they vote on people after 1980, I think it's like two or three more years because Bonds, Clemens, and Kurt Schilling also didn't. They were on this ballot with McGriff, and they all three didn't get it. Um, so I think we have to wait a couple more years to see, try to get them in again. Can we get Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens in the Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame already? It's like We could do a whole episode on this, but just just knock it off. Just put them in. They've, they yeah, sweated yeah, it out yeah. for too long. But I mean, come on. Put those put those guys in there. Come on. Yeah, I, we get it. Yeah. You you made your point. Yeah, you, you know you put them in timeout for a decade. Figure it out. They deserve to be in there. They deserve to be in there. Really yeah, bad. it's oh, that just that makes me mad. So that was <clears throat> that was our little mini ramp. Also, another shout out from Griff wore the awesome Devil Ray jerseys. So those yes, are my favorites. The Rays put that on Instagram today. I loved it. Fantastic. The OG. A lot of guys kind of played for the Devil Rays at the very end. I think Wade Boggs was a Devil Ray at the end. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's just like, well, he was a Devil Ray? Um, Jose Canseco? Yeah, we can just go all day for old Devil Rays. Um, all right. Last but not least this week, we're bringing back the top five. I think it's been a little bit since we've done one of these, unfortunately. Um, I, can't, I don't even know what the standings are off the top of my head, but I'm just going to assume I have more victories than Brian does. That's probably not true because people love Brian more than like me, apparently. But uh, we have a top five for this week. And in honor of this is prime Twitter season for baseball fans. People are dialed in. They're checking the the tweets from guys that are MLB insiders, national writers. So we're going to be doing our top five favorite MLB insiders. I will do mine first. Number five, I have John Heyman. This guy, he's always first to stories. His Twitter feed, he almost has a million people following him. Just a necessity this time of year. So shout out John Heyman. Number four, up until the lockout, he wouldn't have been on my list but I'm putting Bob Nightingale. Bob Nightingale, if you remember during the MLB lockout, was up tweeting until like 4 a.m. live updates of the collective bargaining agreement updates. So uh, Bob Nightingale single-handedly brought us baseball. Not really, but he he deserves to be on this list, so I'm going to put him at number four. Number three is John Morosi. This guy's Twitter feed, he's nonstop. He's also one of my favorite people because he's like big into the rumors. Like He's like, this guy is rumored to this team, and it gives you hope. If you see like hashtag your team on a John Morosi tweet, you're like, oh shit, we're in, we're in on this guy. That's a big that's a big thing. So John Morosi is my number three. Number two, I'm going with the OG. I'm going Ken Rosenthal. The bow ties, five four and a half. Like he's been he's been in the game at the highest level for like two decades, I think. And also he was an Orioles writer at one point too. So shout out. Um, he's just you can't get anything better than Ken Rosenthal. It's a shame he's not on MLB Network anymore. And last but not least, number one. It's Jeff Passan, or as Pat Mack, if he calls him Jet Passan. Uh, under the radar, funny. He loves responding to Twitter trolls on Twitter. He's pretty good at breaking stories. Like his Twitter is a, is a must follow for baseball fans. So I'm putting the Jet at number one. I like it. I have a lot of the same ones because they're, I mean, it, you know, to me, the top three are the top three. There's no real way around it. But I switched a couple up. I went with Joel Sherman. New York Post was my number five. He's a good Yankees Mets guy. <clears throat> I think he's uh he does some funny stuff too. So I like him. 
And then friend of the pod, C. Trent Rosecrans, had to put him in there at number four, the Reds writer for the Athletic. He's always all over the Red stuff and, and some other things too, and just a great dude anyway. Number three, Nightingale. I mean, I love the running joke you'll see on Twitter about anything he tweets out is like a jinx to whatever it is. That cracks me up. I think that's hilarious. So I always look at that. And then two is, is Rosenthal. You said everything. I mean, the bow tie is great. All sorts of stories. Love his writing from the athletic too. Uh, and a number one, I think Passan's phenomenal. I think he's hilarious. The, the troll stuff and just, uh, he, he doesn't take himself too seriously either, but obviously is always all over what's going on. I have his Twitter notifications turned on. So uh, I was texting you immediately after I would, that would pop up my phone today, you know, Verlander and uh, the other guys. So uh, those are my five, but there's, you know, Twitter has definitely turned a lot of writers into some pretty good info guys uh, to get out there, you know. It's the best way to consume information. I, I feel like Ken Rosenthal could have sneaked into the one spot, but I don't have an, a subscription to the athletic. So I don't, uh, I can't, I can't read his writing. I don't know how much an athletic subscription is, but I probably should get one. Might, might not be a bad idea. Cause I feel like all of our guests and writers and people are just this writer for the athletic. So, um, Christmas is coming. It's, uh, I think it's pretty cheap now. I forget what it is, but they're definitely, they do some good writing on there. They really do. And not just baseball. There's obviously you know, all the other sports um, and stuff's on there too, but they definitely do a good job. And before we get to our interview for this week, we have two last quick words. We wanted to give a friend. Uh, here's a friend. <laughs> Hello friends. Um, all right. Three, two, one. And before we get out of here, we have two last quick things. We wanted to give a shout out to friend of the podcast, Actions Over Words. It is an apparel company with the mission of encouraging people to use their actions instead of their words. Uh, they donate $5 of every sale to charities around the world. So check them out at actionsoverwordsapparel.com. Use the promo code N4L. You have 10% off of your entire order. Christmas is coming. So you get tees, hats, hoodies, and more actionsoverwordsapparel.com. Last but not least, we want you guys to check out the Not For Long Media family of podcasts. We have tons of great content for you to check out, including the Colin Thompson Show with our guy CT. Also check out our other good football podcast, Two Girls, One League, and they have AGs, Harry Mays, and Jason Martinez's show. So check out uh, the guys and gals over at Not For Long Media. What's up, everybody? So we are making a little bit of a change here tonight. Will cannot join us to do the interview like we had previously planned because Buck Walters media availability is running at that same exact time. So we had to switch it up, but thankfully there has been more signings today and more information coming out that me and JA can talk about. Uh, first I wanted to start with was the Padres offer to Trey Turner. Obviously he chose the Phillies, 11 years, 300 million, but the Padres, we don't know the length of the contract. I didn't see the length of the contract, but they offered him $342 million to go to San Diego, which would be the third largest guarantee ever and would have put another massive contract out there in San Diego. So what do you think? I know that's your boy and it hurts, but what do you think about that? That's crazy. This is fascinating to think about. Yeah, because – you know, we talked we talked about Trey Turner earlier in this episode. We said that he's an East Coast guy. He really wanted to come back to the East Coast, and his wife are from there. Uh, shout out the Wolfpack, NC State. So, the for the Padres to come on, I think they probably had to go as long, or they probably had to spend it. They had to offer as much money as they did because 
you know, they they had to, you know, they had to go big or go home. They had to say, all right, we know you want to go back to the East Coast, but in the off chance that you would like some more money, they're going to give you one one million more than they gave uh, Francisco Lindor. So his they're going to be making more than Lindor got from the New York Mets. Uh, that wasn't enough to entice Trey Turner. But this kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier about like taking money, like guys who want to play for winning teams potentially having to take less money. But it's interesting to see a team that went to the NLCS offering more money. So um, I, I thought that aspect was interesting. But um, yeah, I mean, we could just fantasize about him because he was drafted by the Padres too. People forget that. So it would have been a little bit of a homecoming too there. People, uh, it's a little added wrinkle there. Yeah, man, that's first of all crazy that they ended up trading him away and all that. But that's nuts. That is so much money. Uh, obviously, Mr. Sidler, the owner there, he, he is trying to win. He is willing to spend the money to win. But, man, him, Manny, Soto, Tatis, I mean, there's just a whole lot going on there. It's crazy. I love it. But, uh, you know, good for him choosing there. His wife is from New Jersey, not too far from Philly. I actually saw that, so that, that makes sense, too. Um, so I'm sure she'll enjoy that because of her family. I wonder, I, I, I saw somewhere that the Padres are out on the shortstops. Now hmm. they're saying they're out on Bogarts uh, and the other guys on shortstops. So I found that pretty interesting that they were willing to offer that much money to Turner, but now they're not in on Bogarts, at least like it sounded like they were before, but it makes you think, right, that they're willing to spend that type or maybe not that type of money, but a good chunk of money somewhere else, uh, maybe the outfield or whatever it is, to try to, you know, make that team better too. So I'm just interested to see if they go after anybody big moving forward. I, I'm just reading about, uh, you know, the, the CBS Sports article about this Trey Turner Padres thing. I didn't realize Manny Machado has an opt-out clause after 2023. So yeah, I, I, that's weird. I would be surprised if he takes that, but it's there. I, I mean, Manny is at this point, Manny's San Diego, you know, uh, I, I think he loved it there. And obviously the team is, is a very good team now. So, but you never know could happen. It's, it's there. Yeah. It's just interesting to think about if he does decide to do it, because I mean, you'd have to think with, with the, the price of free agents right now, like, we're throwing out 342 for Trey Turner. Aaron Judge is like 360 being offered, which we'll talk about him in a minute. But I mean, these contracts are only going up, and maybe Manny's sitting there thinking, what did he get? 10 for 300? Yeah. So, so right, right around there. yeah. So he could probably, if he opts out, that's some more money. I don't know. That's, I didn't realize that that contract was structured like that. I, I assumed that like most of these long term deals now are like, no, it's like no opt outs and like full no trade and all that. But, that's yeah, that we'll have to be we'll have to keep an eye on that. So maybe next offseason will be Manny opt out watch. That will that would not be good for San Diego, but I I would feel confident if I was Padres that he'll be there. Um and same with their fans. But we'll go from the opposite of long contracts here to moving on the probably biggest news of the day today, um, aside for an errant tweet, was Cody Bellinger. Signs a one-year deal, $17.5 million with the Cubs. What do you think about that one? That one's cool. Uh, I, I like this one a lot. I, I think it's actually one-year, 12.5, Sal, um, $5 million buyout on a mutual option. So it's weird how that's kind of structured like that, but um, – I love it. I, I love this deal a lot. I was t- I, my best friend's a Cubs fan. I was like, dude, Bellinger. And he's like, this is giving me Jock Peterson vibes where if 
I honestly, I forgot Jock Peterson was a cub for a little bit too. Um, where if, you know, mid season, if he's doing really, really well, you can flip him for some prospects. If the team is still really, really bad. Um, only 27 years old though. That's, that's just crazy to think about that. You can get a guy two years removed from an NL MVP campaign. Who's that young for, you know, a year. That's, that's my favorite part about all this. Yeah, obviously he didn't, uh, you know, Boris was saying that he didn't want to take multi-year offers. He wanted to play well this year, reestablish himself and then go out and test free agency again. So I think this is a perfect place for him. You know, he gets to go play in Chicago, which is awesome. Make some money and has his opportunity to, to put up those numbers, show he's, he's back and healthy and all that and go test the market again. After this, he's still a really good center fielder. It's obviously in there if he can you know, figure something out or, or recapture something, then he could be an MVP again one day. Like you said, he's only 27. Um, but you like this interesting tidbit about center fielders in general. Yeah, it's just like, so there's an article in, Sport, in Sports Illustrated uh, a couple, maybe last week, week and a half ago from Tom Verducci. And it's it's called MLB center fielders have never been worse. And it's interesting because it's not something that a lot of people traditionally think about. Like once I was like, how bad could center fielders really be? It's a premier position. You, you think about it, it's like that, them and shortstop are usually like the most athletic guys on the field. But center fielders in 2022, as a group, they hit 237 with a 303 on base. Um, and that's the worst mark in each category in the, at the position in the last 50 seasons since 1973. And it, it, this article just goes on to talk about, which I highly recommend you guys go out and read it. It's just like, you know, it, it talks about, you know, some of the reasons why, like Mike Trout being hurt, um, and just talking about how, like in 2017, we were supposed to have this gigantic, like, like center fielder, like prospect class was all supposed to come in at the same time. Like the, the 2017 top center field prospects were Victor Robles, who hasn't really panned out Bellinger, obviously Lewis Brinson, Mickey Moniak, Bradley Zimmer, Manuel Margot. Like these are guys that like were hype prospects. Um, but sorry, I'm distracted. I have the, the MLB draft lottery on and the nationals got the two pick and the pirates got the one pick. <laughs> so, so close. yeah not great not great live reaction not happy nationals worst <laughs> record in baseball you get stuck with the number two pick damn that sucks that's tough but hey it's a win-win because the pirates get it so glad glad nobody swept in and, and like nobody with like a 500 record was able to come in and get the, the number one pick so uh we dodged a bullet there uh but i digress but it's it's interesting have you thought about like the position of center field like being down in recent years like has that have you what have you witnessed that maybe like consciously or unconsciously like yeah yeah damn these center there's not as many star power as much star power as there once was no i really hadn't thought about it until you sent me that and it is a really good article i would think there's a few my my first question would be you know, is that in general, because hitting is down in baseball, you know, like are all the positions kind of down compared to where they were however many years ago. But I think there's been a, more of a shift. They want not necessarily a glove first center fielder. Obviously you want all your players to be able to hit, but I feel like teams are putting more of an emphasis on a guy who can go get it and who can take runs away or prevent runs as opposed to the, you know, a guy who can't maybe can't go get it as good, but it'll hit better, and they want to stick them in the corner. So, you know, like a Miles Straw comes to comes to mind in, in, in Cleveland. Um, Kevin Kiermeyer, when he's healthy, is you know has, has been known for his glove. Um, even you know Grisham over there in in San Diego won a Gold Glove again this year, and 
uh, didn't hit the best, had a good playoffs, but it's it's tough because you're right. It's it's such good athletes playing in that position, and there's so much emphasis put on defense that you know they're just taking away some of those big boppers. But I do, you know, the injury thing is definitely true. Trout Springer's been hurt, and he's getting a little bit older. Uh, Luis Robert's been hurt, was mentioned in there too. So, you know, I, I just I think it's one of those things where they're putting the guys who can really hit, they're trying to stick them in the corners, even if they're, you know, solid center fielders as opposed to um, the very few guys who are elite center fielders defensively and can really swing it. But it, it it's, it's just very interesting to me in general that that is somebody who's like, yo, there's a lot of bad hitting center fielders out there. Yeah, it's 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 crazy too because, like, if you think about, like, all right, let's say you 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 have a team that doesn't have a good center fielder, and like if they want to go out and try to like get one in free agency, the last like track record of guys getting paid as a center fielder in free agency is not great. Like you said, Springer got 150 over six, and he's played 38 percent of games in, in center field. He's probably just gonna have to play a corner because he's hurt all the time. Judge says he loves playing center field, but you're not gonna give him all that money and and have him running around in center field all that time. So he's pretty much a lock to be a corner outfielder. And then it's like Brandon Nimmo who uh, is a lefty center fielder, which I didn't realize there wasn't that many of. And it's like, he's not great defensively in center field, but you you take the bat more so than anything else. But you're right. Teams prioritize young legs. It's a lot of defense first. Um, And like the guys that have played like the most games in center field, um, like the last couple of years, it's like Victor Robles, uh, 390, uh, Cedric Mullins and Miles Straw. That's over the past four seasons. That's the guys who play the most games. It's like, that those are those are the everyday guys. It's like I mean I like Mullins, but I don't know. It's so yeah. It's it's it kind of ties back to the whole Bellinger thing too, because like Bellinger apparently plays the shallowest center field, got great legs, really young. So teams look at that and they're like, yeah, we'll 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 take we'll take you know our chances with the hitting portion probably. See if we can't fix the swing a little bit. But in the meantime, we get a great defensive center fielder out of it. Yeah, and luckily for baseball fans in general, there's at least two really good young center fielders that are, you know, yeah. be for years to come. And that's Julio Rodriguez in Seattle and uh, Michael Harris in Atlanta. Both guys were phenomenal this year, but yeah, it's man. It's just one of those things, you know, I'm sure it'll, it'll come back, but it's, it's what teams uh, value too. You know, it's just, it comes, comes down to that. And like uh, you mentioned Manny Margot in, in Tampa, uh, who's, t- you know, Carved a nice little career so far with the with the Rays. Was hurt for a little while last year, but I wouldn't say a superstar, but it, it is a very good player nonetheless. And yeah, it's just it is it's it's interesting because the center fielders are such good athletes. But it just goes to show that Bellinger is worth that chance from probably I would think a lot of teams to be like, hey, if we can tweak something and get him back to what he was, man, you got a serious player out there. Yeah, and and one last thing on Bellinger, then we can move on. It's Bellinger, like as bad as like as much as people like to crap all over Bellinger's 2022 season. He was one of only three players last year to hit 19 homers and steal 14 bases while playing center. The others were Michael Harris and Julio Julio Rodriguez. So he's in good company when when you look at it from that perspective. And yeah, like you know, fix that swing a little bit. That's going to be a fan. That might be one of the best under the radar signings of the off season. That 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 might end up being the one that we look back on, going, "Damn, yeah, that was one of the best." Um, so, but I did want to talk a little bit about you know we have to talk about Aaron Judge. I feel like it's kind of 
you know, it's a formality at this point that we're going to be figuring out what team he's going to be playing for. But what I wanted to talk about first was Arson Judge. So when you're listening to this on Wednesday, on Tuesday, John Heyman, which I did give him a lot of credit. I think I had him in my top five MLB insiders. Uh, he ate the trash. He he bit he bit hard on a story about uh, the Giants, and he tweeted out um, what what was the exact? Uh, he tweeted at five twenty p.m. Arson Judge appears to be headed to the Giants, and you Not can tell because it, of the, right? the the yeah the quick typo he for sure was typing that as fast as he possibly could because he wanted to be first and be the one that's credited with breaking the story. He then clarified like seven minutes later the Giants haven't heard anything, but God, good God, John Heyman, that's. You can't be that wrong. Arson Judge is a hysterical name. That's gonna. That's not gonna ever go away now. So I'm thankful for that. But yeah, a little quick on the trigger there. But how about what's come out is that they're saying uh, their offer is in the neighborhood of three hundred and sixty million dollars. A lot of money for nine years. You're looking at forty per. I mean, that's that's a that's that's hey, that might be right on the money. Like. You think about what some of these pit like like Verlander and some of these pitchers are getting. Yeah, I mean 40 is like that might be the the top of the market there. So I could see 360 for 9 for Arson Judge, like I think that I think that could get it done. <laughs> I man I it sounds like he's going to, to San Francisco. And now they have Hanniger, uh, which we'll get to in a second. Well, just say it now they also the Giants Mitch Hanniger just signed with the Giants as well, three years, forty-three and a half million. So that's he's a good hitter. So you put, you know, you hit Aaron Judge and him, and apparently the story is out there now that they're pushing hard for Carlos Correa too to come play shortstop. I mean, that's a do pretty good lineup. Crawford. I'm not sure, but all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, that is. Uh, that's that's legit, and man, the NLS is going to be very interesting to watch. But Arson Judge will forever live on. Um, I I don't know. I feel like I feel like he's going to go to to San Fran, and man, the shitstorm that would come the Yankees' way. Like I, I want it to happen. I know I always say stuff about the Yankees. I want it to happen just because I like I want to see the fallout. I'm just so curious as to like what's going to happen because it's, it's just crazy to me. Like, I can't believe it's coming to this. If he truly just wanted to be closer to back home and, and didn't really not like New York that much and whatever, I get it. But man, I mean, it's, it's going to be crazy to see that happen from the Yankees fan base and, and just the Yankees in general. It's, it's nuts. I thought it was interesting that Judge has talked a lot about like when the initial offer was revealed from the Yankees side, where they're like, "Well, we tried to give him seven for two thirteen and a half or whatever it was." Like Judge later said, like how pissed he was that that number was thrown out, and he's like, "I understand, but like you know, it put me in a bad spot because you know the fan base is turning against me and the media, so um, it, it put pr- it put a lot of pressure on me that he didn't really that he he wasn't a fan of of being pressured like that so openly." I think that's probably if he goes and signs with the Giants. I, th- I mean, the money is obviously and being a hometown guy or whatever. But like, I think he can look back and say that was probably the turning point. Yeah, I mean, he's. Uh, it seems like he's a pretty private guy, right? We don't hear too much. He's in New York, and we don't really hear too much about him. Um, so, 
I get what he's saying, how, how that would probably frustrate you, especially if you, you had talked and said, let's keep it everything between us, not let it get out, get out there because you know, the, your average fan or average person sees that type of money and they're like, how are you not taking, like, what are you not doing? Signing? How are you not signing that? That's so much money. Like you're greedy, blah, 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 all this stuff. And um, it just puts the player in a bad spot. So I don't know, man. I, I think it, the Yankees to me are going to offer them right around there or more money than the Giants. And it just comes down to what what he want. Does he want that Yankee legacy to try to keep winning championships there, and be the captain and be all that stuff, or does he want something different and want to go home or closer to home and whatever, and you know, start something new out there? That's really what it comes down to to me because I don't think the money is going to be that big of a difference. One team that's also kind of lurking in this in this situation is the Boston Red Sox which I thought was interesting. I've also, I feel like I've said that's interesting a lot, but there's a lot of interesting things that have come out of MLB free agency where it's like the Red Sox have, have they don't believe they're going to get Aaron judge. They're not one of the top suitors, but they're just kind of in there somehow. They're just kind of floating around, I guess, trying to see if, if neither team, neither the Yankees or the giants gets him. I don't really know how much, you know, credence we can give to that stuff, but yeah, it's, 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 it's something. It could be a Red Sox. It would be very interesting. I'd love to see it and just see our friend Jared Kravis's reaction to that because that would be nonstop too. And that the Twitter, his fingers would be going 24-7 for at least an entire year about the Yankees fans if, if Aaron Judge was a Red Sox. We would never hear the end of it. I that's that would be that would be way better. That would be a better bit. And he could just openly root for him because as he talked about in last week's episode, he just really wants to be able to openly, like with no regrets, just root for Aaron Judge, be an unabashed judge guy. So yeah, let's if you know, if the Giants offer doesn't come through and and we already don't think he's going to the Yankees, like why not? That would be I wouldn't hate that. I want to go back. We'll just yeah tease this because I just thought of this. For next week, and I don't know if you saw it, but we can we can do our due diligence and get back on it next week. But I just want to throw it in here. Did did you see the story that just came out talking about the the samples of the MLB balls today and how they found different balls? Was there three different ones? Yes. Yeah, so we'll so, we'll go back and, and we'll deep dive during this week, and we can talk about that next week because it just popped in my head. But I want to look more into it and and think about more stuff. But I just thought that was really interesting because it. Had to do with the Yankees. Ooh. So, all right. Get ready for next week. Put that on anyway, the ticker file. Yeah. Um, uh, the last couple, we got Josh Bell to the Guardians for two years, $33 million. That's a pretty interesting one right there. I know we've said interesting a lot, but you said it. Very interesting. It is. Uh, yeah, we definitely need to get the thesaurus.com working and try to figure out a synonym for people are going to be listening to this. Like, is, is everything really that interesting? Yes, it is, actually. So, deal with it. I like this move a lot. I, I like Josh Bell. I, I have always liked what he brought to a lineup, switch hitting first baseman with power. I, it's just, I, I think this is a great move for the Guardians where, you know, he can platoon with Josh Naylor at first. You can maybe, you know, flip flop them at DH a lot. You can give them some more power, which I feel like they kind of needed. I, I don't, I don't think when you look back at the 2022 Guardians that they, they were like lighting the world on fire with a bunch of homers. Yeah. It was like Jose Ramirez with 29, Naylor with 20. And that was pretty much like, you know, Andres Jimenez at 17. So like, they're not, they're not going to out Homer you, but add in a, another power hitting first baseman, which is 
you know, a fir- what a first baseman is supposed to look like is Josh Bell. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, I like it. The Guardians are a smart team. Obviously know what they're doing. Uh, so I think he's a great fit there and that they can probably see something in, in his swing or whatever. Analytics are telling him how they can help him improve a little bit or be more consistent because the talent's obviously there with him. He's done it. And, man, bringing a legit bat to that lineup. And I don't know. Every time I look, they're in the playoffs somehow. So, fuck, he's just going to be out there hitting homers for him. So, I like it, too, a lot. Uh, and then the last one of the day that I thought was interesting was Andrew Haney to the Rangers. Two years, $25 million with an opt-out in there. So, they add another arm to go with the ground. He had a good year with the Dodgers this year. So, it be interesting to see how that works out. So we got Haney. I want your thoughts on that, as well as I saw a story saying that they had met with Carlos Rodon after they signed Jacob DeGrom, too. So they could be going after him as well. Heaney is, I mean, okay, so we look back, he is four and four with a 310 ERA in LA last year. I just remember Andrew Heaney in New York in 2021 with a 732 ERA, and people can't couldn't wait to get rid of him. I don't know. I thought, I mean, it's not the big move. Like you, you obviously when you have, when you sign Jacob DeGrom, if you're the Texas Rangers, you, you would have to think that they would have probably, I would have thought Rondone would have been the big one. Like I, I think that they, I think they have another big move left in them. I think this is a great four or five starter. I, I think, you know, veteran presence there in the rotation, but this can't be, they can't have these two guys be signed and be like, all right, starting rotation locked down. Like, I don't know. Lefty starting pitcher, it's cool. Yeah, apparently he has the third highest chase rate uh, as a starting pitcher last year. Thirty six point nine percent of uh, of out of zone pitches were chased. So this guy's got some stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I think L.A. has been known to to be helping pitchers recently. So maybe he learned some things about himself in L.A. with whatever they do, and and he can be more consistent and throw those pitches better or more efficient, whatever it is. And he could bring that with him to Texas and, you know, he can get on a better role. Uh, I like it, like you said, for a little back end of rotation there. If you put Jacob DeGrom and, and Carlos Rodon at the top of that rotation, man, that's that's pretty good. And you, you figure it out from there. I know that they were also interested in uh, Kodai Senga from Japan. We'll talk about more, more next week, too. Uh, but you're right. We, we said it earlier, or I guess last night when we were talking about the Rangers. Bruce Bochy coming out of retirement. They they get the ground. They're not done yet. They they're yeah. they're still going to make some moves. Uh, and I'm here for it. I would love to see them challenge the Astros in that division. And you know, I, I just if Texas to me is such a that stadium's awesome. Like it's such a cool place. I would love to see them be good again. Thinking back to those teams uh, when I was in college when they were in the World Series and blowing the world series and all those things. I love those teams. I love, love their uniforms. I don't know. I'm, I'm just like a low key Texas Rangers fan for some reason. And our boy, Nate Lowe is, is a part of it. So I think we, this is, yeah, it's maybe going back like a month or so ago, but yeah, we, we both share that love for like the early 2010s, Texas Rangers with like Beltre and Josh Hamilton and Elvis yeah. Andrus, like Ian Kinsler. Yeah. Th- that was when I was growing up, like I just love I, like chicks dig the long ball, but like 15 year old me really dig the long ball where it was like, Yeah. Freaking Texas just mashes the ball. The ballpark in Arlington is can't hold anything in. It's always somehow a hitter's paradise. Yeah. Let me just sit and watch some games. No pitching, though. Although, that Cliff Lee year. So, 
Um, yeah, the, the, the early 2010s Rangers hold a very special, special place in my heart. So yeah, let's, let's try to figure out a way how these Texas Rangers can get back to that in a stadium. That's not probably as hitter friendly, which kind of sucks. Yeah, it's definitely not as hitter friendly, but it's not hot as hell, which is why they built this stadium with the retractable roof. Uh, but yeah, man, those teams were awesome. I, I met Kinsler this past year with the Padres and, uh, he's like a rover. He goes around. And I would just, I was just asking him about those teams. I'm like, dude, I fucking love those teams. They were great. So it was cool to talk to him about that and, and hear some of those stories. But man, just the Astros are so good every year. I'm just tired of it. I just need a little mix, need a little mix in there from a fan's perspective, just to see another team. You know, maybe the Angels will be good. You never know. Hey, you know, anything could happen, but it, it might just end up being another eight to four game every single night where trout and otani have two bombs each and they just you know the pitching blows it every single time i can't i can't name any angel starting pitchers off the top of my head besides otani that's a lie <laughs> you said, that's a lie there you go there's one other than that i don't know uh reed detmers he threw the no hitter this year. yeah Young okay guy. yeah he'll be he'll be there that's that's all i got that's all I yeah got. We so, do a game. we'll see what the angels do a game every single week. We're going to pick an obscure team and just try to name as many, as many of a position as you can. Like, I think part of my take where it was like, they did this a couple years ago. I think it was like name three Miami dolphins a couple years ago when they were really bad. <laughs> and they're like, uh, so maybe put that, put that one on the tickler file too. Oh my um, God, sounds good. But yeah, well, the, you know, it's been a fun winter meetings. I really wanted Aaron judge to be signed as of right now on Tuesday night when we're taping this. So, um, but hey, you got to listen to a live reaction of the 2023 MLB draft order. Pirates and the Nats. Yep. From the from Pirates, Nats, Orioles fan. We got to hear it right, right from yeah. the mouth. <laughs> Love that. Hey, okay. Rangers got the four pick too. So oh wow. Killing well, it. Well, that's what we got for, for this week so far. Again, we'll we'll have our interview next week. Buck Show Walter unfortunately took precedent over us, which you know, Understandable. Um, I think I'm a little more important. Oh, speak for yourself. I mean, I think I'm more important than Buck Showalter, but whatever. You know, that's not. It's neither here nor there. But hopefully, Aaron Judge waits till like next Tuesday to sign. Yeah, or, I'm sorry, yeah. Arson, Arson Judge. Ars, Arson. If Arson Judge can just smolder until then, I think we can figure <laughs> out. I think we can figure out a good segment to to talk about. Talk about old Arson Judge. Right. That was pretty good. I'm pretty sure they changed his baseball reference name to Arson Judge, at least at least before they did. I don't know if it's still there, but it's pretty hilarious. If it's still oh, there. it's it's Aaron again. Yeah, that's like on uh, Wikipedia. Uh, that's that's like on Wikipedia far. where you can go in and change shit. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, all right. Well, that's what we got for this week. We will be back, back next week with all the other stuff. So, thanks for coming and listening and hanging out. And, Jay, happy birthday, you man. Thank we'll you. See you guys next week. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band Stick Figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music. Playing on your radio, coming through your stereo. And-